it's Christmas. I mean, we gotta, we gotta, we gotta turn now to uh, to celebrate the Lord's birth. And so, Luke chapter two is where we are. And if you're there, why don't you stand? We'll read together, and then we'll we'll share um, while people are getting settled. Luke chapter two, if you're just coming in, is where we are. And we're gonna pick it up at verse one. We'll read, and then we will dive in and see what the time looks like today. Y'all are don't have anywhere to go, do you? Okay, good, good. We'll, we'll spend a few hours in Luke chapter 2. <laughs> Verse 1, if you're there, say amen. amen. And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. The census first took place when, while Quirinius was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes, laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. Now, there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone all around them, and there were greatly, they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is... Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill towards men. So it was when the angel had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, Let us go to Bethlehem to see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the sand which was told them concerning the child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told them. And when eight days were completed for the circumcision of the child, his name was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And now when the days of her purification, according to the law of Moses, were completed, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord as written in the law of the Lord, every male who opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves and two young pigeons. And so, Father, this morning, Lord, we, as we stand in your presence, Lord, we pray and know that you're in our midst, your angels, uh, Lord, surrounding this place with their swords drawn, I pray, Father, we turn our hearts to you. We thank you so much for the truth of the gospel message and the birth of our Savior, Jesus Christ, Lord. And I pray that as we now look to it, that you would 
move everything out of the way, taking everything away from our hearts and our minds that would burden us or hinder us, the burdens from this world, the thoughts, the doubts, the anxieties, the worries, and the fears, that you would subdue it all now and take this hour as your very own, that you would speak to us by your spirit as only you can, Lord God, transforming and conforming us to the image of your son and even preparing us to, to even more so celebrate his birth this coming week. We love you. We thank you in Jesus' name. We say together. Amen. Amen. You may, you may be seated. And as you're taking your seat, I forgot to tell you, thank all of you for all that you've been doing, serving, and being a blessing. Those of you who were able to go to the nursing homes yesterday to do the outreaches, it was a wonderful time. And over in Smithfield, for those of you who didn't go this year, we were not able to gather the people in the room and do our normal service. We got bumped because of bingo. But we were able to go to all the rooms, nevertheless, and to deliver the, the blankets and the socks that you provided and pray with everyone and, and enjoy ourselves. And so it was a blessing. And then we also did Gabriel Manor. So it was just a wonderful time. Thank you for serving. Those of you who've been serving in many capacities, even blessing uh, the family at the funeral yesterday. So thank you to all of you for what you do here. But in this year's gospel message, I would probably title this if I was going to title it. I don't know what that is. It's gone. Okay. Y'all know how easily I get distracted. I would title this the full, y'all turn all that stuff off. Okay. All the little trinkets and things that, you know, do stuff, turn it off. I would title this the fullness of time, the fullness of time. And I'll explain that in a minute. As we go through it, just three things that we're going to focus on as we break this down. Number one, we're going to see that the birth of Jesus Christ shows that God's sovereign control over time and the affairs of man is what we see, that God has sovereign control over time and the affairs of man. And it also shows us that Satan has no power outside of what God allows him. And we'll see that in the first seven verses. But also we're going to see that, that the birth of Jesus Christ is a sign to all men. And we'll see that in verses 8 through 20. And then also that the birth of Jesus Christ fulfills all of the law, his life, his birth, his life, his death, his burial, his resurrection fulfills all of the law. We'll see that in verses 21 through 24 as we dive in and we begin to look at this. This is all an extremely important season in Israel when the Lord was coming into the world. For centuries, listen, for centuries Israel awaited the fulfillment of the great messianic promise that the messiah would be born and established upon the throne of his father david but this biblical promise had become if you will tainted with tradition and perceptions based on the desires and the teachings of men and that's often what can happen with biblical truth in fact biblical uh, we often turn biblical truths into our own interpretations which often are skewed due to our small view of things and we can miss the whole point. In fact, as the world was, at the time that Jesus came in, had been plagued with war. And look at the first verse. It says, and it came to pass in those days, which to me is a very understatement, if you will. Luke writing almost as a historian here. But the point of the matter is uh, that it came to pass based upon the divine plan and hand of God. Amen. But notice what the text tells us. It came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. And Caesar Augustus, Octavian is actually uh, his name. He was the nephew of Julius Caesar. Many of you know that. And Julius Caesar was, uh, was assassinated, but he had adopted Octavian to be his heir. 
And this man, if you will, had subdued all of his rivals, and he had come to be what was known as the first real emperor of Rome. In fact, he changed his name to to August or Augustus, which means exalted one. He uh, brought in what would be known as 200 years of peace to an extent where he subdued all of his rivals and war stopped. And it's what I think some of you might know in history is I think it's the, the Pax Romana. Is that what it's called in history? In fact, he took the sixth month of the Roman calendar and named it after himself, where we get the month August from now. In fact, he received the status of God at his death, little g. He became a deity, a Roman deity, if you will. In fact, businesses closed down for his funeral. And yet in all of that, it says here that he made a decree Caesar Augustus did that the whole world, because he literally was the emperor of the known world at that time, had to be registered. And verse 3 tells us, so all went to be registered. You notice that? He makes one decree, and everybody in the world has to move on his behalf. And it's often misunderstood by mankind that the rulers of this world are in control. We look at the time that we live in. And there's always stuff going on uh, in the middle of now the, the, trying to impeach the president. The U.K. is in political issues. We know that Netanyahu, the prime minister of Israel, is being indicted for criminal charges. And we look around the world now, persecution of Christians. We're in the Middle East, as always, and it seems that things are going crazy. In fact, Jesus says that the time before his second come will be, coming will be just like the days of Noah. That people will be living life as usual for the most part. That's what he's implying. And not even aware of what is happening that concerns our eternity. And as we look at the times that we live in today, it's very similar. So many things we look at in the world today, and I say the world is going crazy. (laughs) Yet in all of this, as we begin to fathom it, this has really nothing to do with Caesar making decrees. It has to do with the fullness of time. Here's what the Bible tells us in Galatians chapter 4. Y'all remember our study through Galatians earlier this year on the screen. Chapter 4 verses 3 through 5 tells us this. It says, even so, when we were children, it says we were in bondage under the elements of the world. But notice when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law that we might receive the adoption of as sons, which is beautiful because we know that we are now sons, and ladies, that means daughters as well. We are sons and daughters of God through faith in Jesus Christ. That's what the Bible tells us, amen? We know that. And so the fullness of time means the completeness of God's work and his plan has come to pass. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 10 tells it to us this way, that in the dispensation of the fullness of time, remember, that means in the process of God managing his affairs and his plans, that he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth in him is God's ultimate and divine plan. And that plan must include his son coming into the world to die for our sins. Isn't that wonderful? That is what we're celebrating. And so it is the fullness of time which is bringing all of this to pass. Here in our text, it says that Caesar Augustus uh, set forth a decree that went forth from him that the world should be registered. And this first took place, notice in verse 2, while Quirinius was governing Syria. Luke gives us great detail. This man, Quirinius, we know that he was governing or involved in the governing of this region of Syria, which included Judea twice in history. 
And it was, he was actually placed there to manage the census and the taxation. So all of this was happening in the secular government and secular history. But why? Well, notice verse 3. So all went to be registered. They all go with y'all devices again. Notice it says that all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. And notice in verse 4, Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the lineage of David. But guys, you know as well as I do that if my wife is good and pregnant, I'm not about to transport her 150 kilometers, roughly 100 miles south on some trail. Anybody in Israel today, you can actually travel and you can take the trail that the Jews would use to go down to Jerusalem, whether for Passover or even this trail. Anybody ever been on one of those? Nobody in this service. I would not take my pregnant wife on that 100-mile journey. Guys, would you? No, you wouldn't. You wouldn't do that. But listen, this was a must in order to fulfill scripture because Micah tells us this Old Testament the prophet Micah chapter 5 verse 2 tells us this on the screen but you Bethlehem Ephrathah remember that though you are little among the thousands of Judah yet out of you should come forth to me the one who would be the ruler of Israel who's going forth are from old and everlasting I love that the fulfillment uh, the fullness of time often is all about the fulfillment of God's scripture. In other words, Messiah must be born in Bethlehem, yet he also must come out of Galilee so they can see the great light that was prophesied of. And so Caesar makes a decree. Why? Because scripture must be fulfilled. The Bible tells us this, that the heart of the king is in the hands of the Lord. God can move him whichever way he desires for him to go. And so we understand as believers that there's nothing that happens on this planet that's not ordained and in the control in the hands of our great God. Amen. That is why we live by faith and we walk by faith. And in everything we acknowledge him, he directs our path, right? We live this way because we trust the living God. He is the one who's sovereign and in control over our lives and even over government. And so we can live with the freedom of knowing that we serve the almighty God. And not even Satan can hinder the things that God has, even planned for your life personally as we come to the end of this year and we get ready to go into a new one. And so we worship the true and living God, not some fake God made with hands or some fake religion written and made up by some dude. We worship a God that is alive and well and has placed his spirit inside those who believe in him. And his spirit, the Bible says, bears witness with our spirit that we are his children. Amen. And he has great plans for us. And he has things that are in store of which the Bible says I have not seen and ear has not even heard. And, and, and the things we go through down here, the Bible says, is not even worthy to be compared with the glory that will be revealed in us in him. It's just, this is all temporary. God is in control of every bit of it. I look at the news, I can't stand but about 15 minutes of it these days. But I look at it to see what's going on. And then I praise God for what I know is going on behind all of that. And so as we look at this, we can see God's hand behind the scenes. Caesar's in the palace making decrees, but these decrees are only 
happening because here's what scripture says and you remember this in Romans 8 we wrestle with this sometimes but Romans 8 tells us that all things work together for the good of those who love the Lord and are called according to his purposes right we know that we believe that we sometimes wrestle with it but God is working out his plans in our lives and what we need to do is search for an understanding of his will and his purpose and that's found in his word amen and so we see that unfold here. And look at it as we continue, verse 4. So Joseph, it says, went up from Galilee. Up, if you know the map, well, it would seem as though Galilee to Jerusalem would be down. But we're always going up when we go to the holy city of God. And so it says here that he went up. Notice it says he went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is uh, called Bethlehem because he was of the house and the lineage of David. So he is a descendant of King David, noticed to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife. And we got to catch the scene as we go through all of this. His betrothed wife means that Joseph and Mary had been engaged to be married, arranged by their parents. We know that. And before that could all take place, Mary shows up and says, Joseph, I got to tell you, I'm pregnant. And the angel said, is of the Holy Spirit. And guys, like Joseph, we would be like, yeah, right, it's by the Holy Spirit. <laughs> you know, I don't know what spirit was involved, but it wasn't holy. And this becomes an issue. And so we know this is the case because Matthew's gospel tells us that, Matthew, that, that Joseph was wrestling with this, trying to figure out what he was going to do with her. His community was saying, you can stone her, divorce her, end it now. Put her away, you know. And we understand that this is the case because in the Gospel of John, chapter 8, they imply, the Pharisees imply when they dispute with Jesus, they says, you don't even know who your father is. We know our father is Abraham. They were calling Mary an immoral woman. This girl who's probably 15 years old to 18 years old, they're calling her an immoral woman. They're looking at her as though she has gone out and committed adultery before they could finish the process of marriage and consummate the marriage. And here, Joseph, this godly young man, is struggling with this when the angel says, Do not be afraid to take to you marry your wife, for because that which is in her is of the Holy Spirit, and he shall save his people from their sin. Matthew chapter 1. Do you all know this? He shall save his people. What people? Well, yes, the Jewish nation, but that's all of us because the Bible says that God, for God so loved the world, y'all know it, that he gave his only begotten son so that who should ever believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. So he should save all those who God already knew would come to him from their sin, and that's why Christ came into the world. Not to necessarily change your situation, although sometimes he does, but the promise is that you would be forgiven of your sin and cleansed of all unrighteousness and that you could be justified and, and stand before a holy God without getting smoked. You know, as you know, because the Old Testament says nobody can stand before God and live. We know that, right? But we can stand before the holy God boldly, the Bible says, because we are sons of God through faith in Jesus Christ. And this is why he came into the world. And so Joseph takes Mary to be his wife. And he would make this long journey, 100-mile journey, down an overnight journey from Galilee area of Nazareth all the way down to Bethlehem, not because Caesar made a decree, but ultimately because Jesus had to be born in Bethlehem. And Joseph had to go because being a descendant of David, he most likely had, was an heir to some property that was there. And so he had to go and register and pay his tax. And so they make this journey. And notice as we continue, 
Verse 5, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. And so it was that while they were there, the Bible tells us, the days were completed for her to be delivered. Ladies, y'all know what that means, right? Time has come. And uh, it's, it's time to go. Guys, all we know is they have bags packed. And when she tell us, we, 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 we get her in the car and get her there, right? Y'all know that. The time, the time had come. Verse 7, very special. Look at it with me. Verse 7 says, And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room in the inn. This implies quite a bit, ladies. Listen. As we read later in the story, when the, when the, when the shepherds finally got there to see him, the, the Bible says over there that they found Mary and Joseph and the baby. They didn't find anyone else. Nobody else is mentioned. And I think about this as here they go traveling down to the area in which Joseph is an heir probably of some type of property. Joseph and Mary were both descendants of David. And so when they arrived in Bethlehem, they had family. And they're in an inn, which is a place where the caravans would come to stable their animals and to water them and feed them. And there would be rooms that could be rented if there was space. And everybody would kind of gather there. It was a very hospitable land. And they have family there, yet they find themselves at the inn or the caravan because there's no room for them in the inn. So they're out in what seems to be some type of a stable where the animals are. Yet they got family in town. And it's possible that they're rejected because... Mary, this young girl, his life's been turned upside down, and they probably don't believe that she's worthy of hospitality, maybe. And I want you to notice the fact that it's only the three of them mentioned. It says she brought forth her firstborn child. Now, guys, how many of you were in the room when your wife brought forth your firstborn child? Anybody in here in the room? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's something to behold. I was there for the epidural. I was there for the, uh, all this stuff, and I was there for my son when he got uh, uh, his uh, circumcision. I was there for the emergency C-section on my door. I've seen it all. And uh, I wouldn't want to go through that on my own, but the scriptures seem to imply that Mary did this without the help of a team of midwives. There was no doctor present. Out in the cold, some animal, camel or something, looking over the, the fence, chewing, you know how they look, just looking, <laughs> watching the whole scene, you know. <laughs> you know, and, uh, and all these smells and stuff going on. And I know that this can be a very, very, very traumatic scene. And I know this because I had the testimony of a woman when we were in, on missions in Nigeria. And in Nigeria, um, when, when it's time to dedicate a baby it's, baby, it's a very festive thing at the church. And um, so what they do is they, the, the couple who are dedicating the baby, they bring the baby, and then they, we go outside, and then everybody dances and sings on their way back into the church. And then everybody gives gifts and puts them up front for the family, for the child that they have been blessed with. Because, see, in Nigeria, abortion is not, that's not uh, a normal thing. That's not cool. They don't abort babies. Babies are a blessing. And so when it was time for the couple to give their testimony of their baby's birth, I had to hear the testimony of a woman who had to bring forth her own child because when you go to the hospital often in Nigeria, you have to pay first before you get service. And when the baby was time to come, she got word to her husband, the baby is coming. Her husband had to go 
collect enough money to finish having enough to pay the doctor. So while she was waiting for her husband to get up the money, they put her in a room, since she had no money, by herself until he got back with the money. And she, the baby was coming, the pain was intense, and she was crying out to the same God who came into the world in an animal stable, Jesus help me. And she says that she sensed the presence of Jesus in the room with her because she was filled with fear, and she had to give birth to that baby by herself. And she said, Jesus was there with me. Why? Because Jesus knows what it's like. Oh, yeah, his mom did this, and he showed up, and he comforted her. I believe that Mary and Joseph had to go through this process, maybe even alone, wrapping their first baby in rags. He's swaddling clothes, just wrapping them with what they had. You know, uh, probably no baby shower. You know, all the little pretty stuff and the, all the, 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 the best thing you can get is the thing you put the dirty diapers in. I don't know what they call that. <laughs> Diaper genie or something? That thing is a miracle worker, you know. <laughs> None of that stuff. And laid him in a manger. Now, guys, you know what it's like when your wife's coming home with the baby. You got to have everything right. Am I right? Y'all know this? And so Joseph had to take a, some trough that the animals had been slopping in clean it out and put some fresh stuff in it and make that comfortable enough to lay our Savior in that trough. And as we begin to look at this first Christmas and we begin to look at how this thing unfolded, and you got to take a moment and think about it. Jesus, as God incarnate, could have been born in the palace with the whole medical team at his service and all of the wonderful riches that the earth could give him, yet Jesus came into the world in this way. And, and, and it's a beautiful blessing for us to begin to unfold how Jesus wants to relate to us and how he allowed himself to even come into this world. I'll come back to that in a minute. But notice the next part of this, a sign to all men. Notice in verse 8, it says, Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone all around them, and they were greatly afraid. Very interesting to begin to think about it. I've never personally been able to go to Israel and see this. I know many of you have. The shepherds by night, a lot of times people like to debate and say, well, Jesus couldn't have been born on Christmas because, you know, in December it's cold and the shepherds wouldn't be out in the field. Yet, pastors who have gone to Israel say they see the shepherds in the field in December with their flocks. So let's just forget all of that debate, okay? Let's just celebrate his birth. Amen? Amen. And they saw them out in the field keeping their flocks by night. And the way that they would do this, by the way, side note, is that they would have these things called folds, basically. They would create these embankments where they would keep the sheep in a fold overnight. And there was one way in and out of the fold. It was the door, the gate, if you will. And a shepherd would take watch at the gate with the staff to beat off any of the wolves that would show up and keep the sheep from escaping. You follow me? And that's even what Jesus used. Jesus was the best teacher. When Jesus taught, he took the stuff they understood and brought it to light because Jesus says he is the good shepherd and only his sheep come into his fold and he is the door, the gate of the fold and all who come in any other way but by the gate are thieves and robbers. Amen? In other words, Jesus says, I have a fold and the only way in is through me. And if you today know him, you're a part of that fold. He is the good shepherd. And this is what they would do. They would stay out at night and watch their fold. And notice, and behold, an angel shone before them, and the glory of the lone shone all around them. 
and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, do not be afraid. How many of you know why the angel said do not be afraid? Because they were afraid. That's good. <laughs> and you need to understand this because some people like to come and talk about they see angels. I see dead people. You know, and they are smiling. But throughout the scripture, when we see angels, there's fear struck at the presence of an angel that comes from God. Usually people falling out and they got to put a hand on them and wake them up, you know, and do not be afraid. They were afraid because of what they saw. They saw this amazing glory of God on these angels. And you got to understand this. This was the time in the field when it was dark. This was before many of you from the city areas, y'all have street lights, okay? And I'm from the south. We didn't have street lights. I'm from the farm. We had what's called an area light. Some of you don't know what it is. When you call the power companies and you try to negotiate with them to see if they would come out and put a pole in your yard with a light on it to illuminate the area so you can see, okay? And so we call them area lights. This was before all of that. There was no cell phone that the, angel, that the shepherds were sitting around and, and texting each other. It was dark. Y'all, you understand? I just want to make sure you understand it was dark, and all of a sudden, bam, an angel, probably Gabriel, because Gabriel so far has been making all the announcements. And he says, do not be afraid. And he's illuminated. He, he is, uh, he's shining because he's been in the presence of God. That's why he's illuminated. We understand that. The Bible even describes Moses' face in the Old Testament as being glowing as he came out of the presence of the Lord. Y'all remember that? Yeah, because to go into the presence of the Lord is to be illuminated with his glory. Likewise today, we don't illuminate physically so much the way they did. But however, if you spend enough time in the presence of the Lord in prayer and in his word, you are illuminated. People can look at you and see the glory of the Lord on you. You ever notice that about a person? They're just so filled with this peace and this joy. They're literally they're illuminated. When I see a person like that, that's who I send my prayer request to. Someone who's illuminated, you know. And he says to them, do not be afraid. For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy which will be noticed to all people because this message is to all people is to you this morning for there is born to you this day in the city of david a savior who is christ the lord we'll come back to this but christ uh christos i believe there in the uh in the greek uh meshach i believe in the hebrew i, I know i butchered it but it means the anointed one of God, and all of the Jews would understand this to mean the Messiah has been born. And this will be the sign to you. You will find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And this is one of the reasons that Israel missed their Messiah, because he didn't come in royalty, because they wanted a Messiah that would come in royalty, and empower in the way that he would overthrow the Roman government and elevate Israel to the capital city of the world and rule from there, which he will do at his second return. We know that, right? But his first one was to save his people from their sin. Often we misunderstand scripture because we view it through our own desires and we need to in our own situations. But remember, it's always safe to view our, our situation through scripture and not the other way around. You understand? They wrapped him in swaddling clothes, laid him in a manger, a feeding trough, 
And suddenly there was with the angel, notice, a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God. In other words, a, a big old choir showed up, an angelic host. That's what it says. And that's a multitude of angelic hosts. That means that's a number we can't even imagine. I don't even think we have the ability to even in our brains imagine what the angels saw that night. Now, how many of you love choirs? I like the Brooklyn Tabernacle. Pastor Jim Vella, when they get to doing their thing, that's an amazing choir, isn't it? Y'all like the, you know, this put that to shame whatever happened that night in that field when this light showed up it must have been amazing notice what they were saying verse 14 glory to God in the highest and on earth peace goodwill towards men and the angels uh, just kind of praising God a light show a, a multitude of heavenly hosts a number that we can't even imagine praising God together and the shepherds got to see this so it was in verse 15 so it was when the angel had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the angel has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. They came and found it just as the angel had said, the mother Mary Joseph and the babe lying in a manger and just given birth to this, this boy who opened the womb, as the Bible describes it. And it must have been a, listen, quite simple and common scene. The light show was out in the field. When they arrived, they see a newborn babe, a mother who's recovering, and a dad who's probably hair wild and doesn't know what's going on quite a common scene this whole thing speaks of commonality this whole thing speaks of that Jesus came into the world in a way that we can all relate to him every common person on earth even even shepherds as I'm about to get into have the ability to understand and relate to Jesus in some way or Jesus can relate to them because the Bible says that we have a high priest who can sympathize with us because in every way like us he was tempted yet without sin so whenever you go to the Lord in prayer, you can't bring anything to him that he can't sympathize with you on, whether it's death, whether it's any kind of problem you can have. I remember one time, you know, I was, I was arguing with the Lord. I was like, well, Lord, you don't understand. You've never been married and had children. Jesus says, I have a wife. You're a part of her. <laughs> like, oh, yes, you can. You know, everything we can imagine. My wife says, Lord, you ain't, don't have no husband. The Lord says, I have a bride. I understand. Everything that you are going through is what I want to say this morning. Everything, you can take it to Jesus. There's not, there's, there's not anyone on earth that can't bring something to him to where he can't meet them right where they are. And this is what's happening. And so, verse 17, when they had seen him, they made widely known the sand which was told to them concerning the child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told to them by the shepherds. And they marveled not because it was a, just an amazing story in which it was, but it was even more amazing because the story's being told by shepherds. And shepherds in that time were considered unclean. They were considered hootlums and riffraff, uh, thieves often. They were not allowed to testify in court. So if something happened and your only witness was a shepherd, you were going down the river because they didn't, they didn't like shepherds. And the shepherds are the first evangelists telling the story of Jesus. And people are marveling at both the story and where it's coming from because Jesus sent his first message. And I love this. He sent it to those who were even considered outcasts. 
But even more wonderful, maybe on the other side of this as we take a moment, is that many scholars believe that these very shepherds were the shepherds that were charged with keeping the flock that belonged to the temple. And that they were keeping the very sacrifices that would be used to sacrifice at the temple. Remember, the Jews had to sacrifice every morning and every evening, all the time, constantly dealing with sin. Because until Jesus would come and take away sin, sin was a constant issue. And they were probably keeping the sacrifices. So it could be that the keepers of the sacrifices are the first to receive word of the birth of the final sacrifice, the Lamb of God who would finally take away the sin of the world. And that's a possibility as well. But it's an amazing scene. And so everybody marveled. But Mary, verse 19. Y'all trying to tell me I'm going too long. But Mary, notice it says, kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. This young girl, listen, she pondered all these things. An angel showed up and told her that she was going to bear the Messiah. Probably 15, 16, 17 years old. Never known a man, she said. I've never known a man. How can this be? The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and you will conceive and bring forth a firstborn son. Joseph, this is what the angel said. Joseph, he ain't buying it at first. No one else is believing it. And then she finds herself in a stable where it's cold without her mom and her grandma and her sisters and her aunts who would normally be there with the midwives doing all of this stuff for her without the proud love of her father that would, should be there with her and the, 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 all of the things that go along with what normally would be a very joyous experience. She's bringing forth this child who would be the savior of the world. And I think about all of these things as we can just roll through this story every year and not even contemplate all of the stuff that goes along. You know, as I was telling the leadership, you know, one of the things I pray is that we can keep our joy for Christmas during this season because we carry with us a lot of times the pains and the hurts of what you all are going through. I and mean, there's been a lot of prayer and a lot of things happening lately. And, 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 and we, wanna, we want to be a blessing to everyone yet maintain our joy. And when I read this story, I see that God made this a very simple, very common, uh, if you will, experience and even traumatic to some degree as all of this happened in such a simple way so that we could look at this and you could evaluate your situation and you can say, this Christmas, if you're going through something, the first Christmas story was probably worse. <laughs> and Jesus came into the world. And he filled the world with joy in a way that it had never seen. And it's because of Christ we have hope. It's because of Christ that there's nothing that you can be broken of and sad of where God can't replace it with joy, where he can't give you what the Bible calls beauty in exchange for ashes. Because God is one who restores and he brings healing and he fills your heart with joy. And he's the only one who can do that. And that is only possible through the shed blood of Jesus Christ and his Holy Spirit that infiltrates our lives, transforming us into what he desires us to be. Amen. And so this morning, this day, as we get ready to celebrate Christmas, you can bring everything to Jesus and lay it at his feet. He's going to meet you right there. Our last point today is that the birth of Jesus fulfills the law. Notice that it says here. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told to them. Verse 21, and when eight days were completed for the circumcision of the child, 
his name was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. Bear with me for a moment. This first part of the law I love. Notice it was on the eighth day, when eight days were completed of his life, the child was brought to be circumcised. Why? Because that is the fulfillment of the law. But it's not just because God gave this law because this is the way I want it. Remember, circumcision is the sign of the covenant that God had with his people, right? So he wanted them to circumcise their boys because of covenant. But he said, do it on the eighth day, not because I'm trying to be so strict, but because it's the day in which you need to wait and do it on. When I was in the hospital with my firstborn, my son, I told you, I was involved in everything. I saw the epidurals. I saw the everything. And so the doctor comes in. I want to know what's going on with the needle. And they need to give your son a shot in preparation for the circumcision. Well, what is that? It's vitamin K. Why are you giving them a vitamin K shot? Well, it says because when their babies are really young, their, their bodies, the blood can't clot yet. And so we give them vitamin K to help that process so that they can make it through the circumcision. It'll be healthy for them. Their blood can clot and heal. And I said, you know, they said, before we had this, we had to wait. I was like, how long? We had to wait until about day eight. Isn't that something? So God said, circumcise them on the eighth day because if, if you wait and listen to me, you shall live. Because I created the body. Isn't God amazing? It's so, it's so simple. You know, and then you have, you know, stupid scientists who don't believe. And they do stuff like, remember, um, they used to, when people got sick, they used to do what was called bloodletting. They would, they would take some blood out. And they were killing people. Then they realized, well, maybe we should put some good blood in. Duh. The Bible said that the, the life of the body is in the what? The blood. God always tells us ahead of time what we need to know. We came with instruction manuals. You know, and so the eighth day in fulfillment of the law, but also because that's the way God practically worked things out for our good. So on the eighth day, they brought him for circumcision. And it's on that day, and this was customary that they would, they would you know, celebrate not the, only the birth, fulfill the law, and bring forth the name. And his name, notice, was called Jesus, Yeshua, or Yeshua, depending on how you want to debate the pronunciation in the Hebrew. The name given him by the angel before he was conceived. You see, the angel said that you would call him this, and his name should also be called Emmanuel. And so in the Christmas story, we get all of these names. We get that he is, he would save his people from their sin. His name, he would be Christ the Lord, and Christ means the anointed one of God. We know that Emmanuel means God with us, so the anointed one of God will be with us in flesh and Yeshua means Jehovah is salvation. And so in all of this, in his name and his title and who he is, we get the understanding of his whole ministry that Jesus Christ would be the anointed one of God who would come, God with us in human flesh. And because he is Jehovah's salvation, Jehovah is salvation, he would save his people from their sin. And then notice on verse 22. As we wrap this up, now when the days of her purification, according to the law of Moses, were completed, they brought him to Jerusalem and presented him to the Lord. Well, it says her purification. Well, the law in your own time, I want you to read Leviticus. Those of you taking notes, go read Leviticus chapter 12, verse 1 through 4, where it speaks of the fact that when a woman would bring forth her firstborn child, she would wait 33 days to, be, to fulfill her, her season of purity, and then she would bring him before the Lord, before the priest. And so, again, in fulfillment of the law, 
They're going through all of these steps and everything they had been through. Yet this young couple were still in every way trying to walk with and please the Lord. And it says here in verse 24, and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord. Now listen, verse 24 ends this way. It says they were to offer a pair, they offered, excuse me, a pair of turtle doves and two young pigeons. Now listen, in the law of Moses, as we got like a minute to go, if you read, you know that on that day, when the firstborn son would be offered, the preferred sacrifice was a lamb. But God made a provision in the law for those who were poor and could not afford a lamb. So if you're poor and you can't afford a lamb, then you can offer two turtle doves and two young pigeons, the most common of animal, the cheapest that you could buy. And then you know what that tells us? It tells us that this wonderful couple who had parents that were able to arrange a marriage and it takes money to do all of that. But now this couple has been separated, if you will, and they are poor. And Jesus came into the world to a poor young couple who couldn't even afford a lamb. So they had to offer the, the smallest of what could be afforded or paid for to come and present their son before the Lord. And he was the son of God. You know, and that moves on my heart. And it's so wonderful because it says, listen, there's all kinds of ways we can worship God. We can come in here with, with the best clothes on. We know that. And the reason you're sitting here in, in, in casual clothes is because what matters is our worship from the heart. And it really doesn't matter what we wear, right? We come before the Lord. God is seeking those who worship him in spirit and in truth. That's why he presents himself to us in the lowest form. So there's no part of humanity who can't grab hold of this Lord, this Savior, and, and, and hold on to him. And they would, no one would ever feel as though they weren't worthy of Christ's love. Everyone, well, we're not worthy because we're sinners, but we are in the sense that he died for us. And therefore, when you call upon him, you shall be saved. And you shall be known of him, and you shall become a child of God, a son of God. We're not all God's children until we come to know him as Savior. Then we become his children. We are all his creation, but we become children through faith in Jesus Christ. And see, the Bible says there is no other name under heaven by which men must be saved than the name of Jesus. The Bible says that Jesus is the only mediator between God and man who gave himself a ransom for us all. And therefore, the only way to God is through Jesus Christ. Amen? We know that. And he came into the world and presented himself in the simplest of ways so that no one could miss him, yet many miss him every day. Remember what we read in verse 7. I didn't mention it then. There was no room in the inn. And so they were in the stable. And you know I couldn't leave without that. that every preacher uses that verse because it, it gives an opportunity for you to examine your life right now. And you have to ask yourself, is there room in your life for him? Or is your life ruled by iPhone and iCloud and iCalendar and events and reminders and, and, uh, and, and stuff, alarms going off and, and what you got to do and where you got to go and what you got to get and, and who you got to please and, and all of that kind of stuff. Naked we came into this world and naked we shall leave. And the only thing that matters in between the coming in and the going out is coming to know Jesus. So is there room in your life for him this morning? And that's what I ask you as you bow your heads. Father, we thank you for allowing us to be here today. Thank you for meeting us here, Lord. And I pray now as we prepare our hearts to go out and to celebrate your birth this week, Lord, that you remind us of all of these things, that you would meet us right where we are in our homes. And, Lord, before we give attention to gifts and stuff, 
Lord, help us to turn our hearts and minds to you, to read the Christmas story, to pray with our family members, to love them, call those who are not with us, remember your love for us, and for us to share your love with everyone around us. Lord, that there are eternal things at stake and that the gifts can wait a little while so that we can focus on those things. I pray that you would do that in all of our homes. In Jesus' name, we love you. Amen. Amen. Amen.